Hi, welcome to Rockle and Russell's YouTube review. Each week we'll be setting each other challenges uh, on YouTube and finding videos for hopefully your entertainment. Hope you enjoy this current episode. Welcome to uh, episode three of Rockle and Russell's YouTube review. This week we're going to be talking about sports documentaries, our favourite sports documentaries. And then during the week, me and Mark have been talking obviously about this. And we're going to probably do a part two because there was about 3,000 sports documentaries that I actually enjoyed watching. We've picked, uh, I wouldn't say two of my favourites, probably in my top 10. But then you watch a new documentary and then you think, how on earth is that not on our uh, podcast? Yeah, you become like a huge fan of a sport or a person just because of how good the actual programme is how well it's been put together so there's loads yeah. that series of 30 for 30 which a few are on star plus on that new disney channel and i've watched yeah. a few of them and they're outstanding i watched one on rick flair this morning where he'd like admitted to sleeping with ten thousand women <laughs> and he said like if, if i'm in a town one night i'm not going to get bored you think i don't even know have i been alive ten thousand days i'm not even sure is admitted the right word for <laughs> yeah. that or is that boasted yeah uh, there's a lot, Declared. a lot came from that documentary like he refers to his his cock as uh, Space Mountain and he used to say to women would you fancy a ride on Space Mountain tonight that's Ric Flair's shout line <laughs> Space Mountain that's, that's Disney World isn't it yeah with uh, Ric Flair when he's talking about his like Space Mountain I just instantly think me and my mum have been on Space Mountain <laughs> like, it just just seems like weird that like a child's ride it would be his 10,000 is quite a big declaration isn't it yeah I'm not sure if he's talking, talking big or there's a scene in, within it and, oh it's a really good documentary you should watch it really where he's kind of talking to a psychologist and he says that he's had been having 10 beers a day and 10 vodkas a day and sleeping with 10,000 women for the last 20 years since he started pro wrestling. You just think, what an amazing life, but also sounds a bit like hell. Because <laughs> I, um, when I first heard of that one being made, I thought of you and I, and I thought to myself, I, you, you would have seen it already. I think I heard someone talking about it on a podcast. And have you found the time this week, Mark, to get on Amazon Prime? Oh, what for coming, coming to America, America too? too? Yeah. No, Emma. Emma asked me again earlier, and I, I just I, I don't think I'm gonna. I don't I don't know if I will because the time we have to kind of watch things like this, we we watch we basically get one film a week. Watch now on a Saturday night, so to watch one out of curiosity is hard. I will give this a <laughs> review of it. It's well worth a watch. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Um, oh what it's just pure Eddie Murphy is it yeah and like within it they take the mickey out of it and the cameos are very strong within it and there's a cameo that I'm not going to spoil for you but I thought of you whilst the cameo happened and I thought oh, oh well. Mark will like that but if you haven't seen it I'm not going to talk to you about it I'll wait till you've seen no, it no that's a good that's a good recommendation then because yeah you've got my interest but haven't it's a pile of shit <laughs> don't get me wrong <laughs> I hate it within films where it's like what happens happens too easily uh, within the film like he's got a son and the son pretty much follows exactly the same storyline as uh, Eddie Murphy in the first one but it happens he falls in love too easily and then like oh, I want to marry this woman and you think it's it's been a week, if not more, and you're just locking in your life with some Zamundan hairdresser. <laughs> uh, there you go. I've ruined a little bit of it for you there, but you've changed my mind. I, I will now. That's a that's a good good um, recommendation. A, a watchable pile of shit. I don't know how what that how you could <laughs> relate to that. <laughs> what? 
it kind of it kind of feels like I should watch it now anyway. It's been yeah. a, it's been a thread of like three out of three of yeah. these. I now. Think, yeah, maybe if you watch it, we'll talk about it in the next one and we'll just put it to bed. Coming to America <laughs> Two special. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you think um, episode two went, mate? Do you enjoy that? I did, yeah. It was good to speak to a, an official expert, not two people who just think they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he's a force of nature, isn't he, Rich? He's just encyclopedic on pretty much. Yeah everything we spoke about and then that I mentioned something and that reminds him of something and then he goes down a different little like wormhole of things and he knows everything within that wormhole he's fantastic he's just so interesting when I we used to do pub quizzes together and it was mainly everyone drinking while Richard answered questions and every now and then it was uh, in which EastEnders character and like my wife might go ooh <laughs> and Richard's already got the answer yeah he's amazing uh, but then I was almost a little bit sad that we couldn't talk about the films we really want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> after after hearing Richard speak about how kind of knowledgeable and expert he was, I was I was glad that I hadn't brought the bit out of Click where Adam Sandler uh, mutes Terry Crews at the traffic lights. <laughs> <laughs> But then, you know, Richard, though, the intricacies of that as well. I think it was a really good episode. And uh, one thing this week, first time, uh, I actually got some feedback off some people and it's uh, mainly positive. I had two people message me, actually, to say that we're doing a good job and we should carry on and it's going well. So uh, we're happy about that. That is good. Are these, 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 are these not people you know, then? Well, I've got two from people I know and then yeah. I've got one from some random stranger. And then our kind of Instagram and our Twitter are picking up followers all the time. We're, we're now followed on Instagram by some Indian restaurant in Winchmore hill god knows how or why but there, there you go odd yeah. yeah i was doing a facetime to my dad last weekend and christian like was off camera you know the other yeah, side yeah. of the room and he, he shouted across like asking when we're doing the other one when we do no sorry when we're doing the next one i said oh we did it a couple of nights ago and he said no i've listened to that one already when's the next one and i was like oh yeah so yeah we'll keep it so, quickly at the moment but like we were discussing the other day we've got plenty of uh, topics we want to talk about so we'll just yeah. keep going like i said if anyone wants to contact us and say there's something specific they'd like us to talk about or like an idea for an episode then we'll take any feedback on board except from jerry conroy which Jerry? Which Jerry is that? I need nicknames. Oh, sorry, Jerry the Berry. Jerry the Berry, of course it is. Um, unfortunately, Jerry thought our podcast was too long for him to listen to. Obviously, incredibly busy at the moment is our Jerry. Um, oh yeah, he's got a lot on. <laughs> With, oh, he's a he's a nice enough bloke. I do like Jerry, to be fair. And it was I really, do. Yeah, it's it really kind of him to listen and actually give us some feedback where a lot of people wouldn't bother. But like I said, if you don't really what particularly want to listen, we don't particularly care about that because we quite enjoy making it anyway. So we will we will continue. But then, as of um, the beginning of this podcast, we had 115 plays of it. So you know, we must be doing something right. My dad was chuffed that he got a name check when we were talking yeah. about Springsteen on. Letterman. I think they're just quite, they find it quite interesting. It's just a strange, must be a strange thing, especially because of the distance and the fact that I never see it. Yeah, it must be just nice to hear your voice, I suppose, with, uh... um, Emma's listened to two out of two now. Yeah. <laughs> like, on, off of her own accord. Not me playing it and saying, come and listen to this bit. She, she's had it on, I think, the last couple of weekends in a row while we've been cleaning the house or something, I hear it in the other room while she's kind of cleaning. Yeah. No one has got a different surname to me. <laughs> <laughs> But then still, it's still nice that you're almost in contact with those people through this. I'm, yeah. I'm sure your dad or your brother would be a, a, a decent guest on here, you know? Um, yeah. So how's your, um, how's your week been, mate? Anything uh, happening in the world of Rockwell this week? Nothing, nothing really, no. I got the uh, hedge trimmers out the other day to trim some a bush in the garden that had got a bit kind of out of hand. But you can imagine how that turned out with me trying to even it up gradually. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that hedge gone now? <laughs> no, I, I, I managed to... Um, I've got 
better. I, right. I left it. I went a little bit further than I should have done, but I did. I'm quite proud of myself. Uh, can you explain of when you worked for Sky installing things with uh, getting wires over a house using a tennis ball? Yeah, yeah. Was, like that, a, was that a rock all invention? I've got to be honest, I can't remember. I think someone might have might have led me down that route. But then the minute I heard it being kind of discussed, I was like, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, ten- stabbed a tennis ball with like a kebab skewer, I think I used, because that's all I had. String through it and then lob just like light string through it and then lob the tennis ball over the roof and then tie the the actual sky tv cable to the end of the string and then go around the garden find the tennis ball pull it over and it pulls the cable over for you amazing you know paul taylor obviously we mentioned david yeah. a minute ago but paul um is a property lawyer and he does uh firefighting on the uh, on the weekends he's an on-call retain, yeah retained retained yeah. fire. Yeah, uh, and he t- was telling me a story. He had did all the illegal work on my house. He's an um, he's an amazing bloke. I love Paul. He's great. Paul was uh, called in as a retained fireman for a house in Codica where a horse had fallen into the swimming pool. And I was Keith Moon there. Yeah, <laughs> just pushed him in. He was in the passenger seat of his Rolls Royce at the time. So I like Paul. Thought oh my goodness that will involve a helicopter and a crane and all sorts draining a pool and then what his boss did was just put in four bales of hay to make like steps out of the pool my mind went immediately to probably ten thousand pounds worth of work when all they basically did was put three bales of square bales of hay in the pool for forced to use like some steps yeah yeah. i do like a i do like a kind of practical on your feet solution to stuff it's such a great feeling afterwards when you do something like that and it works so i'm going to start with your first one which is a clip from uh one of the 30 for 30 the best that never was which is a documentary about uh marcus dupree yeah it was one of the ones that i saw this 30 for 30 series quite a few years ago now maybe 10 years ago espn classic was a channel for a little while that was actually free on the basic sky entertainment package it was just a little bonus lost in the middle of all the sports channels and there was a channel called espn classic and i flicked onto it one day and i had it even though i didn't kind of subscribe to the sports package and they used to play them all the time so i had a a couple of years where i watched them a lot and this was just one of the ones that i that just stayed with me i just remembered it for a long time the minute I kind of got the ESPN player recently and started looking back through them. It was the first one I looked for. It's bringing back a lot of memories. It's almost like a dream. I'll tell you, it was so beautiful to watch. I had never seen anybody that big run that fast. It was indescribable. I mean, everybody wanted cars. It was ugly. It was dirty. There's a lot of ways to recruit. Yeah, what y'all doing with my nephew? There's always an uncle in there. You will see me at the University of Oklahoma. The pitch will go to Dupree outside the 30, 35, breaks the tackle, 45, 50, 45, 40, 35, 25, 20. Everybody, Christmas, what a run by Dupree. He was the most gifted player that I ever coached. High formation, here's the pitch, here's the fake reverse, the handoff to Dupree, breaks the tackle, 40, 45, 50, over the field, 45, 40. the 
the team in every game. He left that stadium saying, that's the greatest running back to ever play college football. He called me on the phone and he said, I made a terrible mistake. He vanished. He just vanished. It all happened so fast. It just happened. And I really didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, this is not the way this can end. This cannot end this way. He was Marcus Dupree. Those that saw him play know what they saw was greatness. They saw greatness. So, um, and what happened with uh, Marcus Dupree? Well, he he was courted by people, like a lot of them are, by mm. by the colleges. I think, I mean, the old kind of black and white footage you see there is the is the high school stuff, the bit that gained the attention. And then yeah. I think he just got kind of trapped in that that sort of dark <clears throat> like underbelly that goes on with people trying to court young players to get them to their college because yeah. they kind of know how important it is. The kind of telling bit from the whole documentary, and it also they say it in the trailer there, is that there's always an uncle. Yeah, you know? great quote. <laughs> there's there's yeah. always someone with their hands in the pot. And then Marcus Dupree gives his all his financial dealings to this guy to, to, to deal with. And then if he wanted to buy himself a new pair of trainers or something he had to ring this guy to get money for the like, for himself yeah. and it's you can see how sad it is you know people wanting to kind of piggyback on his greatness but the great thing that i loved about this documentary was the relationship with his family yeah uh, and his his brother had cerebral palsy and he kind of says the theme throughout it was he was just doing trying to do what was best for his brother and because his brother couldn't run that's what he was going to do. It's such a wonderful story and you really, really want it to go well for him. Don't you? So my memories of it are from a while ago, but I kind of watched the trailer again recently and then I've done a bit of bit of Googling this week just out of interest, like just having brought it back into my mind. And um, it's it's sad. Like it, I think the saddest thing about it is this a film has been made about this one, but it feels like something that's probably happened a hundred thousand times over. To the extreme yeah. of Marcus Dupree, if you, you know, where he was had the world at his feet and, yeah. uh, or in his hands and then this kind of things these things happen to him and when I worked at a school we had some kids that have been really good at sport obviously and one kid he was an awesome awesome footballer but he's also a really nice kid which doesn't normally happen you know <laughs> yeah. yeah normally if the kids who have got like greatness amongst them are proper arrogant little tossers and then <laughs> this this kid Sam you know he's got a nice family he's, he's got his head on his shoulders nice kid I follow his career a little bit and I um, if he has a good game or something I'll message him to say oh it's good to see you playing again or something like that but I worry always worry that I don't want to be seen as someone who's trying to piggyback on his great because <laughs> I had nothing to do with it I always worry that yeah. I don't want to be seen as another uncle with his, uh, yeah it's um yeah you don't want to look like Piers Morgan and Abami Yang yeah <laughs> I kind of googled it a little bit earlier this week because I was interested I was thinking to myself yeah I remember like you said you see the clips and you just think well he, he looks like the real deal but then you don't know enough about the sport to be able to judge it so I had a little look at some stats I don't really know the sport you said you don't know the sport but the, the position that he plays the kind of stat that he's judged on is what they refer to as rushing yards yeah. so how many how many yards he gained up the field per game okay, how many attempts how many attempts he made yeah carrying the ball so it's not the classic that you see in a lot of the movies with American football is that the quarterback ends up with the ball and throws that sort of 60 yeah. yard pass up the field this is where this is where they kind of start off a move and hand it off to him and he does it on foot. Yeah, he's, he's that, yeah, yeah. His uh, his stats definitely seem to stand up. 
to what people are saying. Bearing in mind the high school clips that you see are probably not something that are readily available online, but the, 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 the kind of mm. troubled college years, <clears throat> even then when the kind of trouble was happening, the stats are he's, yeah. he, he is in, he's on the kind of Wikipedia list for the, the best kind of average yards right. gained per attempt. Yeah, for the, for, for the first year, certainly for the first year of his two years in college. The first person that I thought of when I knew what position he played and kind of when I saw him in action was OJ Simpson. Yeah. Um, so could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> So I had, a, yeah, I had a little look on Wikipedia for him as well yeah. to kind of do a comparison. It took a little bit longer to find OJ Simpson stats because his Wikipedia is a little bit busier. <laughs> um, <laughs> Slightly more to it, yeah. In terms of averages, he, he looked like he was, yeah, it looks like all the, the hype was real about, about Marcus Dupree. It just that definitely feels like he was someone who would have been an all-time great. Have you, uh, you've definitely, definitely seen this because it involves Norm, Norm MacDonald, but they have the, uh, uh, the ESPY Awards and Norm MacDonald said to the guy who won Best American Footballer of the Year, we can never have this taken away from you. And then pauses for a second and says, unless you kill your wife and a waiter. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't the reason he got bombed off of doing the, the weekend report on Saturday Night Live because he just refused to stop making OJ gags? Yeah, I think he just didn't care about what he was doing there. And everyone was trying to stop him, but I don't think he's one of those comedians that just doesn't care what he says. He does the same with Madonna, I think. He, you know, he just makes <laughs> some of his jokes, though, are fantastic. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, but I invented the light bulb up my ass. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a, a really great uh, documentary, and I do recommend anyone to, if you can see it. It's on ESPN um, Gold. Yeah, I think well, the ESPN Player is that's the it. kind of platform that they've they've got now. Thankfully, anyone who's got BT Sport probably gets maybe some of the ESPN channels that they turn up on there occasionally. Right, so we move on to our next one. I'll choose one of mine. I'm going to go with When We Were Kings. The Muhammad Ali, um, George Foreman Rumble in the Jungle story. Cassius Clay goes into the record book with Corbett, Tunney and Braddock as another who brought off one of the great upsets in the heavyweight history. It is befitting that I leave the game just like I came in, beating a big, bad monster who knocks out everybody and no one can whoop him. That's when that little Cassius Clay from Louisville, Kentucky came up and stopped Sonny Liston, the man who annihilated Floyd Patterson twice. He was going to kill me! He hit harder than George. His reach is longer than George. He's a better boxer than George. And I'm better now than I was when you saw that 22-year-old undeveloped kid running from Sunday Liston. I'm experienced now, professional. Jaws been broke, been lost, knocked down a couple of times. I'm bad. Been chopping trees. I done something new for this fight. I done wrestled with an alligator. That's right. I have wrestled with an alligator. I done tussled with a whale. I done handcuffed lightning, throw thunder in jail. That's bad. Only last week, I murdered a rock, injured a stone, hospitalized a brick. I'm so mean, I make medicine sick. Bad dude. Bad. Fast. 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 Last night, I cut the light off in my bedroom, hit the switch, was in the bed before the room was dark. Incredible. Fast. And you, George Fullman, all of you chumps are going to bow when I whoop him. All of you. I know you got him. I know you got him picked. But the man's in trouble. I'm going to show you how great I am. Yeah, unbelievable clip, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, it's good. So I like, obviously, like anyone else, I love the big fights. I love um, any British boxer that's doing well. I know Anthony Joshua has got a lot of uh, hate from people because of uh, things he said in the past and stuff. I'm still a big Anthony Joshua fan, I think, mainly because he's British and he's from Hertfordshire, I think, uh, I just continuously want him to do well. Um, yeah. 
Same with Tyson Fury. I quite like Tyson Fury. He does a lot for like mental health and things. And I think that's a, a kind of great way to use your platform, you know. But this uh, documentary, if you had someone talking like Muhammad Ali now, you would talk about him like he's such a prick, wouldn't you? Well, that, 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 that's the thing. that There are a lot, but they're all they're all trying to imitate. Yeah. Mm. And it's just so transparent. You can see it. And, and no one has got anywhere close. I mean, like you say, I'm not a huge boxing fan either. I, I don't dislike it. I just don't know enough about it to kind of profess to being able to yeah. talk about it. But that those clips of him when he used to rattle off little bits like that ever since then people have tried and i just it makes you cringe sometimes some some people are kind of half decent and they've got a bit yeah. of the gift of the gab but they're not even close no i think he had such a, an amazing life and if you've seen i think this documentary outshines the film ali by a, a, like a hundred miles um, yeah it's just so interesting and uh, everything that goes on like behind the scenes in Zaire, or the, what's it now, the Democratic Republic of Congo, like pretty much they tried to clean up the whole country before the fight because they obviously knew they were going to get a lot of press and said they just rounded up the worst criminals, 200 criminals, and then they were put in prison for this entire time for the, when the fight happened. And they were never seen again. Muhammad Ali had another fight after that, a thriller in Manila. But I, I, I couldn't even tell you who he fought. You know, it, um, in Jungle was such a key moment in his yeah, life. Joe, uh, it was Joe Frazier, wasn't it? The other ones, I think. All oh, right. And then I think I prefer to watch Muhammad Ali talking and when he's being interviewed by people than I would to his actual boxing, to be fair. Yeah, that clip's great. The, the bit when he's kind of glancing off to the side with that little kind of grin on his face. Mm. It's a shame he's looking at Don King, who's just a bit of a horror. <laughs> yeah. Well, Don King, um, I remember when Mike Tyson was going to fight in Glasgow or something like that. And they were, there was uproar that this kind of convicted uh, rapist was allowed to come to Scotland. And Don King was on telly talking about it. And Don King had been done for murder. It's just such a crazy world. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Don King either. I remember Nigel Benn won a fight once. There was someone was trying to interview Nigel Benn in the ring. And Don King just kept stepping in and saying, oh, I'm a believer now, I'm a believer. And I just thought, oh, it's not about you. There's literally, yeah. literally none of this is about you. When We Were King, the soundtrack's amazing. And the song, yeah. really, I played a bit of it to you earlier, Buster Rhymes and the Fuji's Tribe Called Quest. And yeah, it makes me keep, always think to myself, oh, I'd be quite good at boxing, but I would get beaten up every, every time. <laughs> right. Uh, so can we, um, do you want to move on to your second one? Yeah, let's go. So Mark, you've chosen Don't Take Me Home. I'll play the clip and we'll talk about it after. Gary was so loved by everybody. The players had to stand up and show a bit of courage. We deserve it. This is what we've been screaming for. That first game was talked about for months. You could sense that excitement. I knew we wouldn't get beat. The whole stadium erupted. That was a moment we'd all been waiting for. Unbelievable! I've never seen a Welsh team play so well. Wales have surely pulled it off! To experience it with Wales was an amazing thing. If you could press pause and stay in that moment, be there forever. Taffs everywhere. I think that's when it hit home exactly what it meant to the Welsh people. never seen a connection between the team and fans like that. 
it doesn't just change football, I think it changed the country. I watched I Believe in Miracles a few years ago, the Johnny Owen, the, the Forest one. I can't, I've got to watch that again, really, I think, because I can't remember too much about it now. Brian Clough related one, isn't it? Yeah. So when I saw that, first of all, like the, I love these anyway, even, even if it wasn't made by like a good filmmaker, just, yeah. just even, even like BBC or ITV, like could kind of cobble together a, a look back at a, a tournament mm. run. So when you sort of see that a proper filmmaker is doing it as well, you know, it's going to have that little added bit of quality. Yeah. I, I enjoyed the tournament, enjoyed their running. I remember um, not too long ago, I put a kind of Facebook post out. I don't know what sort of made me think of it, but just asking people to comment on football moments or things that they remember really enjoying that weren't yeah. their own. Te- and funnily enough, at the time, this wasn't the one I was thinking of. I was thinking of like, uh, I think it was Fulham and Middlesbrough UEFA Cup runs a few years ago. Oh yeah, that <clears> Fulham <throat> run where they beat Juventus and... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Middlesbrough had done it a few years earlier. Yeah, I think Middlesbrough's first. Both, both got to the final, both lost, but both really enjoyable. But then mm. this was this was the kind of international version of that. It was, um, But I suppose it was a little bit unusual because I think sometimes you end up remembering fondly Ireland, Wales, the, the home nations in, in tournaments when England weren't there. Right, yeah. But in, England were there and were in their group. Yeah. <laughs> so just the added little bit of spice to mm. it and... And somehow, right. somehow England managed to beat them. <laughs> That was a, almost an awful, if you're pro-England to the point where you don't like other nations, the home nations, I think it was almost the worst tournament there was because obviously yeah. us losing to Iceland and they're, <laughs> them going through to have such a great run. I think that Belgian game is quintessentially one of the best Euros yeah. football matches of all time. Such a, like such an underdog story and their team playing so well. It's just a shame they got knocked out by quite a bang average Portugal that went on to win. Mm. Yeah, I think a couple of suspensions slash injuries. Aaron Ramsey missed Ramsey, a, yeah. Do you remember, uh, I can't recall now if they show it, but it was a silly handball that got him a yellow card. Yeah. Just stuck a hand out. That was a shame because he was, he was big for them in that. But uh, like Robbie Savage, I mean, Robbie Savage has ended up getting like a little bit of that kind of famous commentary that will like get replayed and replayed for years because he was he was doing the live commentary on the Belgian yeah. game and he did he did one of those kind of go and wake the kids up something special's happening kind of <laughs> yeah. commentaries. Uh, do you have any reason why you chose uh, Wales? Have you got any connection to Wales or I suppose the only kind of loose thing that kind of stands out that little bit more other than it just being a good story and a good mm-hmm. I was watching the Belgium game live at home knowing that I was getting on a plane the next morning to fly out there oh right is this the situation where you watched the semi-final with Robert Perez and Sylvain Wiltord yeah Wiltord disappeared Perez was there yeah and SIE turned up as well but Wiltord was there doing something else it was just a brief moment with him and he carried on doing what he was doing but Perez stayed around and then Marcel Desai turned up as well. So you were explaining to me how they kind of get into the boxes and things. I believe they are there doing like TV work, interviews and things, pitch side and knocking around, but technically haven't got a ticket. So when the game starts, they technically haven't actually got anywhere to sit. And if they're not in the, if they're not doing the studio punditry, they're kind of, I suppose they would end up kind of just hanging around, sort of standing pitch side or in the corners and Mm. and not a great view, I guess that would be. And for for football players, I suppose are football fans, they might, you know, not want to watch it from kind of pitch side. So yeah, by all accounts, they kind of then just trawl the, corporate boxes <laughs> knowing, knowing that no one's going to turn them away yeah mad isn't it it's such yeah. a great 
<laughs> it's yeah. a weird thing to think that Robert Perez would has to watch the game with like yourself because he hasn't yeah. got a ticket. I don't know if that's true, but that, that's that's what the, the kind of gist I got on the night. Yeah, I think maybe just, just like, took a shine to you, Mark. Yeah, maybe it was a good. But that kind of I was excited anyway about knowing that I was kind of getting up early the next morning and yeah. getting on a flight to to Bordeaux. So I was just kind of had that game on in the background while I was packing some stuff in a bag, and then before I knew it, I was just kind of sat down and hooked. So, but yeah, just a good run. Had a bit of everything. Had that kind of big moment against Belgium who were like well one of if not the top ranked team in the world at the time and then obviously the perfect thing for any kind of thing like this is uh, not actually winning it because yeah. <laughs> quite often these programmes end with the kind of oh well we gave it our best go mm. the amount of money that cast with that song Walk Away must have made out mm. of BBC <laughs> just every tournament when any team like Home Nation goes out there it is but yeah that was an unbelievable tournament I, like I, I live on the Welsh English border near Chepstow I worked in a uh, as a chef for a year in um, a restaurant in, in uh, Monmouth but um, Welsh people are just when it comes to sport amazing yeah. I don't think anyone other than at the moment watches it at home so any rugby match it you can't move in a pub and the pub I went in uh, on my break was so full of uh, Welsh fans that they had an extra telly put in like a little telly you used to have in your bedroom in the 90s kind of thing we had like that that room was full so I sat out the back where the pool table was with no telly in there thinking I'll just I won't get bothered it was full in there as well but everyone was watching the game on their phones. <laughs> really, really cool. But then obviously there was a bit of delay, but then something happened. They'd start celebrating before like seeing it on their phones. I haven't met a Welsh person I don't like yet, I don't think, around here. Oh, nice, yeah. Obviously, um, England, Wales the other day, or you see a lot of flags out and things like that. And, uh, you know, uh, they have every right not to like English people if you consider the history of... Uh, our relationship but I think fair play to with this documentary I think it shows that you don't need to have a, a fantastic team to do well in a tournament two players will almost do you and also don't need to you don't need to kind of be a fan of the team involved to enjoy a documentary that looks back because you can kind of just you could almost imagine that it was you mm. you know imagine that it was your team Every, everything about it is enjoyable still yeah. like the, the fact that it was someone else so, someone could make one of them about Iceland oh. That Josh Widdicombe 90s football podcast is good for throwing up a recommendation for some old behind the, you know, like fly on the wall documentaries that apparently are on YouTube. Again, right. not seeing anything, but ones, ones about like, you know, Barry Fry's Peterborough. Yeah, oh, that was really good. Have you seen that? I don't know. I think if I watched it, I would bits of it would jump out at me that kind of rung a bell as if I maybe yeah. watched it way back then. But I think I, the, the famous bit in it, sure. the famous bits in it is when he does like a transfer window and players come in and he's got a gavel and he's like yeah. hanging the table to the side and then the players are going well what about this kind of clause what if we don't get relegated can I have some more money and he's like yeah fine yeah just have it like he just goes <laughs> and um, there's a great scene in it where they've lost a couple of games under a caretaker manager I can't remember the name of him and then Barry Fry picks the team in the changing room while the caretaker manager stands there and then after he reads out like six or seven names the, the caretaker manager goes right I resign and then leaves the stadium and then obviously fans are still coming in they're seeing the manager leave like <laughs> so, um, he's a crazy crazy man but that is it's well worth looking up I'll have a look for that and put it in our bump uh, yeah an outstanding documentary Mark it was a good choice that um, but we'll definitely have to uh, revisit some other footballing documentaries like we spoke about 89 we spoke about the um, yeah Roadcastle and Ian Wright one there's so many good sports documentaries we'll have to come up and then like, Maradona film the Maradona right. film would count in there wouldn't it yeah well When We Were Kings is very of the same ilk isn't it Diego is that's another situation where everyone has an uncle 
when Diego Maradona goes to Napoli yeah. and how much influence the uh, like Italian mafia have on him and his like and that kind of sub story within it is you think oh my god how could you live that life yeah the amount of people that wanted something from him yeah well he had more than one uncle while he was there yeah <laughs> and then you can understand how he got into kind of alcoholism and drugs just to almost blot out the hundred people around him that want to touch his hair you know it's it's crazy but yeah, that's well worth a watch as well. Have you seen the Gascoigne one? Yeah, that was on, that was, I don't know if it is now, but it was on Netflix for a period of time. I don't know if it still is. That was such a hard watch. Yeah. Because of him more than anything. Yeah. That you just think this fallen icon, but they're still kind of treating him within the documentary that everything is fine. And when he's telling stories, you just think, oh my goodness, that's not true. You know, it's uh, yeah. what's, what's happened. But then, you know, with Diego Maradona and Paul Gascoigne, people, everyone's got an uncle. Yeah. <laughs> Right, let's move on to my last one, and our last one, but I, how have we got this far, Mark, without talking about The Last Dance? Well, that, that's a special, isn't it? Is that a special? Is that a dedicated episode? I think so, yeah, definitely. But I definitely, I think that, that last year and the sort of brought these things to the public conscious a bit more because of how much yeah. coverage it got, and it, and it probably opened people's eyes. Any, anyone who, I would say anyone who watched that and enjoyed it, then mm. these kind of things we're talking about, yeah. the things for you, they are very, very good. Right, so I've got to my last one, which is about... In the hands of the gods. Have you seen this, Mark? Yeah, only only when it came out, or, or around about the time it came out, and I'd, I'd completely forgotten about it. And when I saw you send it to me, and I saw the name of it, I I still didn't twig until I pressed play and watched it. And then I was like, oh, I do remember this. And there's a couple of familiar faces in there from anyone who's kind of a bit more current than me and you. BBC London, ninety-four point nine, the breakfast show. About 12 months ago, these mates who met on the freestyle scene came up with the idea to travel right across the world to meet and to play with their hero, Diego Maradona. And the only place that we could blag a flight to was New York. And let's face it, Americans, they're going to buzz over our freestyle. Diego Maradona, we've got to make all our money to go over and see him by performing and doing skills. Jeremy done the best show I've ever witnessed in my life. Is it safe to sleep in the car? Uh, I should think so. We all, we, well, it's got tinted windows. We are halfway to Argentina without any food or accommodation, but I'm ready for it. It's really heartwarming, basically. That family that I've got basically next to nothing will be accepted as in, and I'll move off in arms. There's only two flights at half price. I know how much this means to you. Basically, a trip in for three people now. But you've got to respect how much it means to me as well. It's a win or lose now. Do you know what? I'm sick and tired of this. We spent too much and now we're paying the price. It's happened, the dream's coming true, Woody. Class. I don't want it to end here. I want it to end with Diego Maradona. I love this. Um, at the time, I was massively into my uh, football freestyling and things, and uh, obviously uh, not even close to being their level. I probably could do 
a few tricks. I could do around the world today, which impresses uh, eight and nine year olds at, uh, at school when I worked there. Uh, that was enough. Uh, for me, and but I do like tricks of football, and you, you know me, I, I like a little uh, a little bar trick, you know. So I think if you could do something like that, it's always it, it always impresses people. And so there's a five lads basically who want to f- earn money by busking, freestyling football to try and get enough money to go visit Maradona in uh, Argentina, and this is their journey about that. And a couple of them have gone on to do well; they're still in kind of the public eye now, aren't they? Yeah, is it? It's Woody, isn't it? That I recognise. Yeah. Yeah, Woody Paul, of, of Woody and Kleine. Of Woody and Kleine fame, yeah. Paul Wood, who's, uh, yeah, Woody and Kleine, and they're kind of Wellington City-based. I think they do some things in Wellington City, don't they? There's certainly, whether it's a coincidence or not, but I've, I've seen two or three instances where people I know on social media have kind of either posed with them for a selfie or done something with them, you know, on their, on their social media. Two or three occasions, yeah, sure. so enough to make me suspect that they're kind of local. So I think, yeah, they have a, like a digger that swings around and someone's holding onto that on a slip and slide kind of thing. And people are jumping it, a bit of total wipeout. And then as I watch yeah. that, I recognise possibly one of the funniest, <laughs> maddest people I've ever had in my life, Mark Percival. Let me t- I'll tell you one story about Mark Percival. Wingnut, he's a cage fighter, so I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it like a down key. But he used to pick me up from football, for football on a Sunday, and he would drive past the back of my house. You'd have to drive past the back of my house, and then you go away, and then you come round to get to the front of it. And he would start beeping his horn from when he was round the back of it, which was probably two minutes <laughs> yeah so you'd yeah. hear them <laughs> and then, obviously you had to be as quick as possible because he was waking the whole street up at like 8 30 in the morning he'd just do things just unnecessarily do things that were hilarious and we couldn't find him like everyone was getting changed for football we couldn't find him and he just had his music turn up as loud as it possibly could in his van and he was in the back of his van on his own, just dancing to it like <laughs> such a funny bloke. I don't know if he was injured or it was someone else's team, but didn't he once drive into the car park at the playing fields where the Sunday morning football was and then just keep going, drive through the car park onto the field because it was <laughs> cold and wet, and yeah. just drive his car right up to the side of the pitch so he, so he could watch? It was a, yeah, it was at some friends. Not have just, to get out of his car. He just drove into the goal mouth when we were putting the nets up so he could talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> He's a force of nature. I've read this story once in 442 magazine. This guy had a bit off the uh, bit off the topic. But this referee wanted to call a game off and it was wet and raining and horrible. And both teams said, no, we want to play this today. So the ref come to a conclusion that he drove his car up to the halfway line on the side of the pitch. And if he saw an infringement, he would beep his horn to, <laughs> instead of blow a whistle. And then he went one further than that. He would use his indicators to say which way the free kick was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I put something on that on Twitter and I just had a hundred people come back to me saying that is not true but I, I made it very clear that I, that I read that in a magazine uh, you know James Brown of yeah Loaded, Loaded his, his book Above Head Height from a few years ago I think is a collection of sort of grassroots Sunday morning five-a-side oh, right. football stories yeah I've uh, it's one of those things that I've recommended without actually re- reading myself because I've kind of yeah. heard about it, heard heard the gist of it and then told mm. people I know who I think like that kind of thing. But it just reminded me, so I'm going to have to put that back on my list because that was yeah. years ago that I heard about that. And it sounds sounds like it is just a yeah a good, a good assortment of stories like that. I oversaw a conversation on Twitter between you and James Brown about F Anacoco. Would you mind telling that again? Oh, yeah. I'll have to credit the Quickly Kevin podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Josh, Josh Whitcomb and, yeah. 
Chris Skull, Michael Marsden. I don't know if there was a theme to that week's show, but but someone someone called in or, or texted him with a story anyway, saying that when they were younger, they went on a um, like a stadium tour on a school trip. Got told they had to leave all their bags in like one of the changing rooms while they went on all the trips. So their bags and their packed lunches and everything were in the school trip. And this kid was saying that he um, didn't want to leave his packed lunch behind because he had a drifter bar in there that he <laughs> really wanted to eat. But they, they told him that you can't carry your bags around on the stadium tour. You've got to just leave it there. So he did. They went and did the tour. And then as they were walking back towards the changing rooms towards the ends, a few of the players were wandering around and they were all really excited. And then this kid saw Efan Koku walking towards him eating a drifter. <laughs> <laughs> Went back to his bag and his drifter was gone. So it was it was his. So it had been stolen off him. Right, so I'm sorry. Back into in the hands of the gods. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Paul Wood is almost like the the hero of the uh, the, the film, I think. Or Woody, sorry, is the, the hero of it all. He kind of puts in the most effort, I feel like, to get everyone organised and go and do things. And he, uh, he comes across very well. I've done, um, me and uh, Dave Taylor, I talked about earlier, did some coaching over in Barnet. And he came on after... And he was an incredibly nice guy and I was expecting him not to be. And he did like a show that I was, you know, I just, my jaw dropped seeing some things he could do with a football that I couldn't even think about. And uh, within that as well, Jeremy Lynch, have you heard of Jeremy Lynch? Yeah, he's turned up on Soccer AM and stuff quite a lot over the years. Yeah, um, he's, he's 50, 50% have a, have a, of the F2. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So I did a bit of um, Googling of um, like Jeremy Lynch to see what he was up to now, just through the F2. And I come across so much stuff that says he is an utter bell end. <laughs> <laughs> I just like in the film he's very humble and he's um you know his, his religion and his family means a lot to him in the film and like now he's kind of a lot of people say he's very aware of how famous he is and his first thing he almost asks you is how many subscribers you have got before he will talk to you uh in one of the videos uh where f2 play against real teams one of those teams is Wellington City Reserves who I was helping out with at the time you watch how they edit it from what you actually saw live. Like, I, he had a free kick at one point that probably has landed yesterday. <laughs> but obviously <laughs> they missed that out. They just show lots yeah. and lots of things of him being brilliant. And, you know, fair play to him if you care about money that much. And then he's made a lot of it. So well done to him. But within the film, I think he shows him, comes across really well. Yeah, it's good. I think I said to you last week, even though it's not that old, it definitely feels like ahead of its time. Like stuff like that just seems yeah. so constant now with social media. Like people doing challenges and, and oh. sort of things like this where, where they film themselves. Mm. So it feels like, you know, that trailer could sort of flash up on my phone tomorrow for something that's like yeah. a year old and it'd feel, it'd feel really current. Like with uh, Woody and Kleine, I know they do stuff, like, do stuff for mental health and things, that's a fair play to them. But, you know, Woody was an incredibly talented man. I mean, his footballing skills is unbelievable. His YouTube channel... It's mainly him and his him and Kleine throwing each other's phones in Stamber Lakes, you know. And it's, yeah. <laughs> you, you almost think, oh God, I'd just love to see him still do the things I like him to see him do. I love that film. And what I like about it, there's no narrator in it. No one's trying. No one's updating yeah. you about things. You just watch it like it's a film. It's great. I recommend it to anyone. I think it's a fantastic film. I just like the fact they're from five different walks of life. These five yeah. lads with their own stories. Uh, I don't want to spoil the ending, but it's you know, it's happy and sad. It's good. Those okay. are always good in in things like this in general. The when you watch these documentary style films about stuff that you maybe remember actually happening at the time just the people who make them and put them together using completely different angles and shots of the game so like yeah. a lot of the time in those football recaps of like tournaments like world cups and things they don't a lot of the time they don't show goals 
so like some some of the footage of um, I've, I remember having a like a VHS when I was younger mm. of just like World Cup goals from '66 up to '86, I think it was. Mm. And um, they've got footage of the the kind of the, the Maradona against England goal, not the hand of God, the yeah. the other one. It's just from from angles you've never seen before, and a lot of the time you don't see the ball hit the net because the cameras they've got that kind of you know like the Zidane film. The ca- there was a camera on him, so you see him kind of up close going past people, mm. and then you see him kind of hit the ball, and then you see him run away and celebrate There's, if you if it wasn't for the celebration you wouldn't even know it had gone in and it yeah. just that those those kind of alternative views and angles just mm. really that just just make for something they're just more i suppose they're just more cinematic mm. as, a, as a film than than a than just you know replays that you would see mm. on sports uh, that is an amazing goal but then if you look more deeper into it the last player he does take on is steve hodge who's <laughs> <laughs> got his shirt yeah, Steve Hodge does have that shirt, you know. I, yeah. You can't they really take anything away from him in that goal, but that England side wasn't the greatest. No. Okay, well, uh, anything else you wanted to mention? Part two, somewhere down the line of this yeah. subject, it's definitely in order, because there are a lot out there. Is there any sports films you, you like? I do, I do. I'm a big fan of sports films. Oh, that, I think uh, that might be one to come as well. Yeah, when, when we first spoke about doing this just the, the movie clips in general last week yeah. the first few that I found myself going to were sports films because yeah. maybe there's something maybe there's something about sports films that lends itself well to a kind of short clip you know like a YouTube clip yeah. um, so there was quite a few but that, that would definitely be an episode sport, sports films yeah. is there any, any yeah. you really don't like sports films dislike that's I harder to remember because you kind of I suppose I suppose you just kind of move on when you don't like them yeah. you don't dwell on it so have you seen a while. have you seen the goal series good shout yeah <laughs> Oh, goal one, I thought it was very watchable. I like goal one. I probably, I don't, I, I might not have seen past the first one. Maybe I saw the second one, I don't yeah. know. But Goal three um, is very pushing it. <laughs> yeah. Was he someone that went to play, Did it? was it Newcastle to Real Madrid, is that right? Yeah, Newcastle to Real Madrid. And I think in the third one, I think they go like international, but I'm not sure. I watched it and I hated it. <laughs> yeah. There's not too many films um, I can't get through, and that was one of them. Yeah, so that would be that would be yeah. You've reminded me of that one, but that's a good example of one that I probably just kind of moved on from and didn't really think. But it depends, doesn't it? It's all about the kind of time that you watch it. Like I'm sure there would be people that would list when Saturday comes with Sean Bean as a, as a no go, but I've yeah. just got fond memories of it because I just remember finding it enjoyable when I watched it. Yeah, I like. I don't think Happy Gilmore would have aged very well, but we like it because it's we like Adam Sandler, you know. But uh, you know, I think Space Jam is probably one of my favourite films. We we're talking about it earlier. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Coach Carter. Coach, Coach Carter, Carter, awesome. Uh, yeah. So many good sports films, but yeah, I don't think there is too many. Bag of Vance, I don't like. I think it's just such a like nothing film. Have you seen Moneyball? Yeah, I love that. And it's yeah. got panned, and I, I think it's amazing the way it works. Oh no, I I, I absolutely love Moneyball. I watched it again fairly recently, and really really liked it. Like I watched it watched it years ago, and then watched it recently ish. Yeah, and then watched it again about a week later. Yeah, I, it, yeah. I think people kind of look at it that you must be a boring person to enjoy watching a film about sports st- statistics, but I I love it. I watch it again now. <laughs> Billy Bean, Billy Bean, yeah. yeah. Okay, then, mate. Shall we wrap it up there? Yeah. Oh, it's a pleasure, and uh, I'll speak to you next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. See you soon, mate. Take it easy. Please subscribe to us at youtubereviewpodcast.blogspot.com or see us on Twitter at Russell one